What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Between Two Tackles. I'm your host, Alex Spinelli, and alongside me, as always, is Ray Volo. No Dino tonight, just slaving away at his corporate job. Sorry, corporate corporate dean stinks. Yeah, but, corporate uh, dean's the we'll, worst. We'll put that out there. Brutal. Yeah, I mean, he he was a groomer. Now he's a corporate stooge. It fucking just it blows, bro. It blows. <laughs> Guys got some questionable career choices, but whatever. He's making some bread. All right. Guy, guy loves love. Yeah, you could say that again. Um, Ray, my friend, how we doing? We got week 10 of the college football season ahead of us. I'm pumped up. Yeah, I mean, first playoff rankings dropped today. The season's coming to a wind really fast. Um, solid slate this week. I'm really looking forward to next week, though. Next week, you guys get Michigan, right? That's the or is it two weeks? Yes, Dude, uh, that, that's it. The- so two weeks. I thought it was next week. Maybe I'm wrong, but I can't. That that's the game I'm really looking forward to. I feel like that's going to be the one that decides uh, a lot of things because I really, I mean, we'll stick with this week for now. Stick with this week for now. But yeah, <laughs> coming down to the fucking wire, I really want to see Georgia lose. I don't know about you, but um, yeah. um, yeah. As a a fan of Penn State, who I'll call I'll call what it is. They're not making the college football playoff this year. I would like to see Georgia win because I do think that they're one of the best four teams. Um, I just want to see the best four teams in there. There's no reason for a TCU team to be in the college football playoff this year. So we'll we'll see what happens. Um, you mentioned the college football playoff rankings. They did drop today. Right before we're recording, your Ohio State Buckeyes have the number one spot. I'll run through the top 10 really quickly. Georgia's in the two spot, Michigan at three, Florida State is at four, Washington's at five, Oregon at six, Texas at seven, uh, eight is Alabama, nine is Oklahoma, and Ole Miss is in the 10 slot. Just quick takeaways from from what you saw from the first ranking. I mean, we were talking about it a little before we started, but like, I'm not overly surprised that Ohio State got that number one ranking just with their win at Notre Dame looking good. And then obviously the Penn state win too. So what that two top 15 wins. Um, I'm kind of surprised that Florida state, but just by that logic, isn't above Michigan. I know Michigan, that was dominant. my thing as well. Uh, I know Michigan has, has been dominant, but they played a bunch of just absolute slapdick teams. So uh, you think that the strength schedule will be taken a little bit more, it be a little bit more weighted in that regard. But other than that, I'm not overly surprised by any of the other uh, teams. Yeah. I think, we were. I was just talking to you about this before the pod, saying that sometimes I just don't understand the thought process for ranking one team and then ranking it another way. For, the Florida State conversation is one that I saw too, and in the same breath, Washington. Now, they had a rough win two weeks ago against Arizona State, but other than that, they've been rolling through people, and I think this committee also holds – Oregon in very high regard, having them six massive win on their schedule. Michigan hasn't played anybody while I do think that they're one of the three best teams in the country. Um, rank everybody the same. That's all I'll say. But this is the first ranking. These don't mean a thing right now. Nothing. But, Literally uh, nothing. Yeah. It's going to change so bet. much. After, after this week, it's going to change. Oh, yeah. Penn State will probably be uh, number six. I'm not sure about that one, but yeah, that was a joke for uh, all the fans at home. Jesus Christ. Um, all right, let's get to uh, let's get to week 10 before we talk about the game previews. 
Let's talk about a prospect that we loved from week nine. Who you got on uh, your radar? Uh, Taj Washington's been someone who's been having a big impact for USC all year, but he's kind of caught my eye of late recently. Uh, This last week, he had five catches on seven targets for 102 yards, no touchdowns, but he's an intriguing player, especially for like this modern era. He's not the biggest built. He's, he's listed at 5'10", 175. So he may even be way a little bit less than that, but he's a mainly a slot player, but he's electric. Uh, he's got, I think he's averaging 20, over 20 yards a catch. He's got five touchdowns on the, on the year. He's someone that I can think can be a niche player and it could be a real steal for a team on day three, maybe back end of day two, depending on how well he tests, but he's got, he's a, just a lightning rod. So I think teams are looking for that more often. I don't know if you uh, saw the tank Dell play this weekend. I think it was like an end around, but that guy, that guy's electric with the ball in his hands. I think more teams would be looking for players like that. Yeah, I completely agree. I also have a similar player on on my radar. Um, it's a guy we talked about over summer. It's Lad McConkey from Georgia. Banged up at the beginning of the season, but had his best game against Florida last week. Had six catches for 135 yards and a touchdown. I just love the way this dude plays. I mean, he's so smart setting up his routes. He's quick in and out of his breaks, and he's just a chain mover. He has... 11 first downs this year on just 15 receptions. So that's what he does for your offense. He's reliable. He'll move the sticks. And, I mean, you mentioned Taj Washington, who's another really good receiver. In this wide receiver class, we've talked about it week over week. I feel like we just keep mentioning different wide receivers that are popping up. I'm going to be really interested to see um, skill sets that teams evaluate and where guys fall in that sense. And just are guys going to slide a little bit because there's so many wide receivers in this class? You know, that's a good point. I, and I don't think it's going to really affect the top of the like the cream of the crop of this class. Like, obviously, Marvin Harrison, he's going to be a lock for the top five. Even guys, even someone like Malik Neighbors, I don't think it's going to really affect too much. I think his skill set is just he's so dynamic that teams are going to take him within the top 15 picks. But maybe some of those guys like, um, like Roma Dunze, possibly could affect uh their stock and other guys in that in that tier i'm curious to see if it like makes them fall maybe back end of round one early round two who knows yeah i'm even looking even further than that tier i'm looking at i mean even like these these two guys that i mentioned even like the malachi corley's like those smaller a little quicker wide receivers um that maybe in a normal wide receiver group you get them late day two, but maybe those guys start to slip to day three because there's just so many of them. It's going to be really interesting. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. I feel like there's just still going to be, whether it's at the back end of day two, I feel like there's going to be one of those massive fucking runs where it's like five wide receivers going like eight right. picks or something like that. Right. All right, let's get to the game previews. Got four really good games on this week's slate. Got number 25, Kansas State, going to number seven, Texas. Texas is a four-and-a-half-point favorite right now. Right, talk to me about this Texas team. No Quinn Ewers. It'll be Malik Murphy for the Longhorns. Yeah, so Malik Murphy got his – I think was, I'm assuming it was his first start last week. I don't know if he started at all before that, maybe last year at some point. because I mean, Quinn Ewers has been banged up. But he was okay, I guess, being modest, I mean, 16 of 25, 170 yards, two touchdowns. He did throw a pick and lost a fumble. So I, I really do want to just see a little bit of progression from him, in particular, just holding on to the ball. 
Uh, those turnovers, I feel like in a game like this against a team like Kansas State, who really does love to run the ball, I think it could tire out your defense. You don't want to give them extra possessions. So um, for him I, and just this offense as a whole, I think you're going to see a lot of Jonathan Brooks and CJ Baxter. I think they're going to, they're going to be trying to run the ball heavy. And then off of that, you can work your work the short passing game. This offense has so many weapons. It's like he's not at a loss for it. So he doesn't need to be Superman. He just needs to be a fucking point guard and just dish it out to all these talented players. Uh, Xavier Worthy, I want to see some manufactured touches for him too and just get the ball in his hands. I think that'd be go a long way. Um, and then also on defense, though, this is just a strength versus strength matchup. Texas is run defense. I think they're 14th in the country, and Kansas State's averaging 226 yards per game uh, on the ground. So I'm curious to see how that goes. I think it's going to be a big uh, uh, Travandre, Sweat, and uh, Jalen Ford game. I think those two guys in the middle of that defense are going to have to step up big time to help stop this running attack. And also another stat I thought was pretty crazy. Texas is third in the country on third downs. Uh, they're holding uh, the opponents to 28%. And Kansas State is fourth in the country on converting third downs. They're converting at a 55% clip. So for me, that that tells you, for me, it's just going to be a first. I think first and second down are going to be massive in this game. You want Will Howard um, having third and long opportunities, especially in the second half. If, let's say, Texas has a lead, you want him third and long where he has to force some throws because he has been a little turnover prone this year. He's got seven picks, and this Texas defense, I think, is, has nine picks on the season, which is, I want to say, top half of the country. So I think that's their that's their key to uh, their path to victory, rather, is stopping the run, making Will Howard try to be Superman, and then get turnovers off of that. Yeah, for Kansas State, I mean, you mentioned it. This offense goes as this run game goes. Um, top five in rushing yards per game at 226 a game, just absolutely massive. They have a really strong offensive line. So the trenches against Sweat, against that whole defensive line is going to be really important. Cooper Beebe and KT Leviston have been outstanding on on that offensive line this year. Um, these past two games for Will Howard, I know you mentioned he's a little injury uh turnover prone he's been really efficient they've really worked out this two quarterback system that they have going right now um they bring in avery johnson who's a true freshman they bring him in a ton of so many packages he's a really good runner but he's also uh beaten a bunch of teams on deep throws so i think just that added extra dimension to game plan for is tough for texas so I'm curious to see what Sark does in that case. Um, but Treshawn Ward and DJ Giddens have got to be good in this game. They got to make easy third downs for Will Howard and company um, and keep Texas's offense off the field. Defensively, this team has allowed three points in the last two games against TCU and Houston. They've been excellent stopping the run just over a hundred yards a game. And like you said, it's going to be a heavy dose of Jonathan Brooks, this week, they have to stop him on early downs. And I'm assuming Sark's going to ease Malik Murphy in with the easy throws, maybe some trick plays to, you know, take the pressure off of him. Got to be sound on defense. And when there are 50-50 balls, because there are going to be 50-50 balls in this game with Worthy, with Worthy and Mitchell, you got to come away with a turnover, at least one um to hopefully get a short field against them and keep your offense on the field. So this will be a really interesting game with Texas with obviously Malik Murphy in for for Quinn Ewers. Yeah, Murphy he he was a highly regarded uh freshman too. So uh, he's there's no he's not lacking talent at all. 
especially uh, just as a thrower, he doesn't, he leaves a lot to be desired as a runner too, which is something that I feel like would have helped him uh, in a game like this. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe if he struggles, we get a little Arch Manning action. That'd be wild. Who knows? I don't, I don't get that. But we'll see. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm uh, curious to see, also, just before we move on, is yeah. yours, is he done for the year? I don't know if they announced that, but dude, it's pretty rough. I mean, I feel for the guy because bouncing around. I mean, I feel for the guy, but bounced around from Ohio State and out of Texas. Thought he would be like the number one overall pick coming out of high school, basically. And now, who knows? Might have to transfer again. I was, that's what I was gonna. That's what I was getting at. Like, would do you think if he's out for the year, and let's say either Murphy or God forbid, or, not God forbid, but if Arch Manning comes and kind of gets a stranglehold on this job, does that force him to transfer again? Or do you think I he think just he has to. I was I maybe I mentioned it to somebody else. I thought I possibly mentioned it to you. What about a little Quinn Ewers to USC action next year? I think you did mention that to me. That would be pretty fun. But I mean, who, I love that. Who's there? Uh, is it not? Is it Malachi Moore? It's is Malachi, right? Yeah, I was thinking a team like uh, Ole Miss would be fun for Quinn Ewers. Mm. They have enough quarterbacks. They brought in Spencer Sanders. Uh, right? They brought in Spencer yeah. Sanders in the transfer portal. Guys and played a lick. Yeah, I mean. It's still Quinn Ewers. Yeah. Hmm. No Jackson Dart. (laughs) All right. Uh, Let's move it on to the second game. Got number 14, Missouri, going to Athens, Georgia, to play number one, Georgia. Not number one in the college football playoff ranking, but uh, you know the deal. Georgia's a 15-and-a-half-point favorite right now. Ray, talk to me about this Mizzou team um, and what they need to do to get a big upset. Yeah, this is an interesting matchup, and uh, it's just a tough task for them on the road. I think if they were at home, it'd be a little bit more intriguing. But this this Missouri team is super talented. Uh, Brady Cook and Luther Burden are one of the best duos in the country, I'd say. And then uh, their running back, Cody Schrader, has also put up monster numbers. I think he's averaging over uh, almost six yards a carry. He's at 800 yards on the season and almost 10 touchdowns already, nine touchdowns. So... Uh, they're they're pretty um electric on offense. My curi- I'm curious to see how Luther Burden does in this game. He he's predominantly been lined up in the slot this year. I want to say it's around or over 75 percent of the snaps. And in my opinion, that's where Georgia's two best defensive backs play in Malachi Starks and Javon Bullard. So I'm curious to see how he handles that challenge of two elite talented one upperclassman one sophomore in Malachi Starks too. I also think if he plays in the slot as often as he typically does it's going to lead to georgia being able to bracket hit more and then in that in that case they're going to need to go rely on their other receivers whether it be um what's his name leo oh my god where i lost it oh theo weiss or even the freshman marquise johnson i think that will be those two guys are going to need to step up big especially if they get one-on-one opportunities on the outside freshman uh marquise johnson he's a three-star but he's electric with the ball in his hands i think maybe he can either get a short one behind the line of scrimmage or even just use that speed to stretch the defense out that he could be targeted and really have a big impact in this game. Uh, and then on defense, Missouri is pretty stout, uh, especially their run defense. I think they're 26th in the country in rushing defense and they allow four, less than four yards per carry. So I think it's gonna be a big Carson Beck game uh, for Georgia, especially uh, towards the second half. I think he's going to be need to rely on a throw a little bit more uh, and versatile defensive lineman, uh, Darius Robinson, someone who I got my eye on in this game. He's their leading sacker. He's got four and a half sacks, seven and a half tackles for a loss, but he's a, he's an interesting type of player. He's 
massive. I think he's listed 6'5", 290, but he plays predominantly off the edge. He's got some versatility where he can line up as like a five-tech over the tackle, but he's been playing on the edge a lot, and he's been winning there. So I think he's going to need to have a massive game, really impact uh, Carson Beck with throwing lanes, maybe get a sack or two, and just – I mean, I think the their path to victory here is to get a lead early and just hope to God they can hold on. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm also watching out for the trench battle on Georgia's offensive line versus Missouri's defensive line as well. Mizzou, that pass rush has been great all season. 17th in the country in sacks per game. Um, Georgia is top 10 in sacks allowed this year with just six. Kirby Smart also said this week that Amarius Mims is getting a little bit closer to playing. Not sure if he's going to suit up. He did suit up last week, didn't play, but a possible Marius Mims sighting this week at right tackle would be really nice. Was a guy that was highly touted in our summer scouting. Um, offensively, this team, the last three weeks, they've been humming. I mean, 44 points a game over that span. Carson Beck has been really good throwing seven touchdowns. He continues to grow with his offense as he gets more weapons back. The running backs are starting to come back healthy. Lad McConkey's starting to get going. Um, I think if they can protect up front, I think they should have enough offensive firepower to win this game. Not sure if they're going to cover 15 and a half, but I do think they have enough to win this game. I've been really impressed with Carson Beck, honestly. I think beginning of the season, it was kind of what can he just hold this team afloat? Their defense is good enough to make the college football playoff. Can he just do enough on offense? And now I think in the past few weeks, especially without Brock Bowers, he's had to do a little bit more. Um, and I think he's played really well over that time. So when they do get Brock Bowers back, I think they should be uh, should be really good. Um, defensively, this team is stout. I mean, they've been great the last how many years? Um, and the secondary is as good as I've seen in the last five years. Bullard, Lassiter, Starks, and Smith are all beasts. Um, and you mentioned Luther Burden. They're going to have to take him away. He's a one-man offense for this Missouri team right now, especially their wide receiver group. Um, I know you mentioned a couple of the wide receivers that they have, but I'm really not afraid of any of those guys. If I'm Georgia, I think if you could take him away, make Brady Cook throw to those other guys, if those other guys go off, more power to them. But I'm not letting the burden run all, uh, go catch passes all over me. So um, I don't think they have the athletes to to compete with, with Georgia. So... I do think Georgia has enough to win this game. Yeah, I just one thing on Georgia too. I'm actually surprised this offense has not taken a step back at all since losing Todd Monken. Uh, I think they're sixth in the country in passing, fourth in scoring. Or that may have flipped that uh, because I'm a little dyslexic. But th- their scheme too is just—I feel like it hasn't changed at all. They—they they just get designed openings. None of these receivers are, besides obviously um, Brock Bowers. Are like two like are electric in my opinion, but they're just always open. It's making it so easy for Carson Beck. So yeah. shout out, shout out that whole that offense. It helps when you have a really good offensive line. Yeah, true. You can pretty much do whatever you want on offense. All right, let's keep it rolling. Third game, really interesting. Pac-12 game. Got number five Washington uh, going to number twenty-four USC Washington, a three-point favorite right now. Right, talk to me about this USC team. They escaped with a win over Cal last week. I don't know what to say about this USC team. I mean, everybody keeps thinking they're they're great and they're not. I mean, there's one path to victory here, and that's a 55 to 50 game. Yeah. Uh, it's good. <laughs> that's, their only path to victory is a shootout. 
Um, their defense has allowed uh, 44 points per game the last three games, and that's including that like the 49 I think Cal just scored against them. It's it's bad. Uh, so I think this the path to victory here obviously is shootout, but they need to give Lloyd the ball and they need to run the ball. And it's not even to keep Washington's offense off the field; it's to keep their defense off the field. The less, the, the more control <laughs> they have to control the ball. I think two to one at least in order to win this game because this Washington offense has been electric in their own right. I think they're they're scoring forty points per game, and this passing attack in particular has just been dominant. Um, I'm not even really going to talk about their defense at all, which besides the fact that they need to stay off the field as much as possible. The <laughs> yeah. one good, the one good thing is that too is this USC's offensive line has been allowing a lot of pressure uh to, like in Caleb's face and that's really I think it's been causing a lot of the troubles but this Washington defense is only has like 10 sacks on the year I think it's ranked like 123rd in the country so they do get a little bit of reprieve with that but you still have to pay attention to uh Trice on the edge for sure yeah I'm really just going to talk about this Washington defense because offensively I mean this team's a wagon I they had like I said they had that one kind of down game against Arizona State. But Penix and the trio of wide receivers, not sure if McMillan's going to play this week, um, but they've been humming, and USC can't stop anybody. I mean, they gave up 49 to Cal last week. Like, what are we What are we doing, Lincoln Riley? Like, recruit some, recruit some defensive players. Um, this game is all going to be about the Washington defense. They haven't been great in their own right. Um, I think the player that I'm watching is their linebacker, uh, Ulu Fashoi. Um, definitely butchered that, but couldn't even get out the first name either. Didn't even want to try. Um, but he's going to need to be Caleb's spy in this game. I, he's got great range. And once you see Caleb start to break away from the pocket as things break down, you have to go and pressure him. You cannot let him extend plays for too long because the wide receivers for USC are way too talented and the corners for Washington are just not good enough to run around on uh, uns- unscheduled, unscripted plays. Um, and then somebody else besides Braylon Trice has got to get pressure on Caleb Williams off the edge. If it's ZTF or if it's a FOA, I mean, somebody's got to help this guy out. He's only got two sacks this year, but he's got 40 pressures, which is top 10, and he's got a top 15 win rate. So he's not getting home, but he's getting pressure on the quarterback. Somebody's got to help him out. Um, this is going to be a really interesting game. I agree. I do think this is going to be a 50-45 type of game. Yeah, this is a shootout. Got a shootout written all over it. Yeah. All right, let's move it to the last one. Arguably the best game uh, of the week. You got number 13, LSU, going to Tuscaloosa, number 8, Alabama. Alabama is a three-point favorite right now. Ray, talk to me about this LSU team, how they get a big win. I mean, it starts it starts and ends with Jaden Daniels. Uh, this guy's having a monster year. He's the best dual threat uh, quarterback in the country, pretty much. He's got over 2,500 passing yards, 25 touchdowns, only three picks. And then to go along with that, he's rushed for 521 yards and another five touchdowns. So I think it starts and ends with him. He's got to have the ball in his hands. I'm super excited to see the matchup between Malik Neighbors and Kool-Aid McKinstry, though. I think uh kool-aid gets a little grabby downfield in particular i think you won't see it on the stat sheet but i think a lot of you may get a couple pass interference calls timely in particular to move the change i think that would be massive in their uh, ability to win this game and then on defense for lsu uh harold perkins needs to to show up big time i want him to uh, really affect 
the past uh, Jalen Milrow on his deep shots. You can't give him enough time to hit those. That's really his only ability to pass are those those shot plays. And then this LSU team's gotten this defense gotten a little exposed in the run game uh, in their losses in particular. So they have to be disciplined with run lanes, uh, really limit Jalen Mil- Milrow, and then hopefully just make him a one dimensional player. I think that would really go a long way in their ability to win this one. Yeah, I think for Alabama. Over the last few weeks, they finally started to get this run game going a little bit. They had uh, Chase McMillan had over 100 yards last week. I mean, we had been saying for the previous weeks, their offense was run for no yards and throw the ball 60 yards downfield. Hopefully, you get this run game going a little bit because um, they were just so one-dimensional with, with deep shots. Um, this LSU defense has not been very good. They've only had 14 sacks all season. They really can't stop the run. I think the red zone offense for Alabama is going to be absolutely critical. They have 24 red zone trips this year, which I thought was pretty crazy for an Alabama team to only have 24 red zone trips. Um, And their touchdown rate is 58%. That is not what you normally see from an Alabama team. You got to punch it in when you're down in the red zone because this LSU offense can get going in a hurry. Um, If you're just settling for field goals, I don't know if you're going to win the game defensively pressure on Daniels is key. His adjusted completion percentage when he's clean is 84%. And then when he's pressured, it's 65%. So Dallas Turner, Chris Braswell are going to be huge um, for getting him off his timing. And then once he does get into the second level, though, those linebackers and those safeties for Alabama have got to be stout. They have to turn if they have their backs to the football, they got to get around and they got to wrap up Jane Daniels because he can take off in a moment's notice. Like you, I'm also looking forward to the wide receiver matchup on Alabama versus the defensive back matchup for Alabama. Uh, you mentioned neighbors, but I'm also looking at Brian Thomas for, for LSU. He's been really, really good this year. And then that secondary for Alabama, Terry and Arnold's had a good year. Caleb Downs, the freshman, Malachi Moore, all those guys are really stout in the secondary. So I cannot wait to see that matchup. Yeah, and you touched on him uh, just for a bit, but Chris Braswell, he's the one I touched on in our Edge episode. He's really made himself a lot of money this year. Six and a half sacks. I think he could be a, a day two pick. His athleticism, his athleticism off the edge, This both these guys, him and Dallas Turner, uh, I feel like I've been looking at a lot of mock drafts and stuff lately, and Turner's not getting talked about nearly enough. That guy's going to go fucking high. I don't see how that guy gets out of top 10. Yeah, it's honestly pretty weird, too, because I feel like at the end of last year when we were doing, like, way too early mock drafts, like, he was going for sure, like, locked top 10. And now I've seen him kind of fall out, and I feel like all the things that I wanted him to do better in this offseason and summer scouting, he's gotten better at. So I don't know. Yeah, I haven't really seen. I obviously haven't watched much like tape on him, but I remember. I, I mean, this year that means, but like over the summer, he was such a stout run defender already too. I feel like his floor has to be like really high. I'm surprised he's not getting talked about. I know like Latu Latu is getting a lot of buzz just because of the season he's having, but I feel like NFL teams are gonna really love someone like Dallas Turner. Right. Well, I can't wait till we do our uh, our first mock draft this se- this uh, this week. It's coming. It's coming. Ooh, little tease for the people. First mock draft coming out next week. Fired up. Um, good stuff. Let's talk about some units. Let's talk about some bets. How'd we do last week? Uh, I split. What what I do? Okay, so USC team total over thirty nine and a half. That smashed. I had uh three units on that, 
And then my teaser lost, of course. I think I lost multiple legs of it. Uh, Florida, I don't think, covered the 20 and a half. And I, I'm pretty sure the Clemson-NC State game went over as well. So that was a, a loss of two units. So I was up just about 0.6 units. Nice. Uh, I'll read them out for Dino. Dean had a Georgia-USC-Ohio State parlay for two and a half units, minus 160. And then he also had Florida State minus 20 and a half against Wake Forest. Uh, for two and a half units. So good week for Dino. Bad week for Alex. Um, lost all five units. It was the first time I lost all five units since week one. So it was a nice ride. But my God, can we please stop betting college football? Because my <laughs> bank account can just n- not take it anymore. Um, lost team total under 14 and a half for Wake Forest. They had fucking 16. Uh, and I was Looking it up, the starter wasn't supposed to play, and the starter ended up did playing. Pretty brutal. Um, I had under 40 and a half for Purdue, Nebraska. That game went over. And then uh, I had a teaser that Utah did not cover 16 and a half. They looked absolutely pitiful last week. So uh, tough five-unit loss there for Alex, but we'll rebound. How are we rebounding? You start off now. How are we rebounding? All right, how are we rebounding? Uh, I got Notre Dame minus three at Clemson, minus 110. I typically hate these games, especially at Death Valley, but the vibes around Clemson are just so fucking low right now. Dabo's talking back to the media. Those those players just aren't playing well. It, it seems like there's a little turmoil right now uh, at Clemson, and Notre Dame has looked really good the last few weeks, so I'm going to take them minus three for one and a half units. I'm also taking UCLA minus two and a half at Arizona. Arizona terrifies me, but I do think the run game for UCLA is going to be extremely important in this game. I think they're going to control the clock. And then I do think that pass rush is going to be too much down the stretch. So give me UCLA by a field goal. And then I got a money line parlay. I have Penn State in here against Maryland just to make me feel something about Penn State. I'll throw them in there. I have Georgia and Iowa, which is plus 115, two units there. I like it. Really ugly parlay. Pretty disgusting, but... Honestly, just shotgunned all three of these bets because just hasn't been working. Uh, trying to do research. So, you know what? Sometimes you just got to go with your gut. The gut's your only thing you have in this world. Right. What do you got for us? Uh, so my gut call is going to be Ole Miss minus three at versus A&M. Mm. I got three units on that. Um, I think I just love how Ole Miss is really starting to run the ball effectively uh, these last few weeks. I think Judkins has had uh, over 124 yards three of the past four weeks. I think that, that their tempo and just pace is going to tire out A&M's defense. And I'm not, I'm not a believer in A&M's offense at all. I don't think they can keep up in a, a shootout with Ole Miss. So that's uh, three units at minus 112, I believe. And then my second bet, two, my last two units, I'm doing Oregon team total over 40 and a half uh, versus Cal. I think Cal's defense, I mean, USC put up 50 on them. I think Oregon's offense is just as good. I think they'll put up the, that 40 and a half. They'll cover that. Nice. Like it. Uh, Dean goes for minus five this week because he did not get his bets in. Shout out corporate Dean. You're just blowing it. Just blowing it. He was in the lead too, poor bastard. Oh, he's way down now. Yeah, he's fucked. Yeah, he's fucked. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us here on Between Two Tackles. Thank you for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed our Week 10 college football preview. Stay with us. Got more NFL coming up. 
We got the mock draft coming up next week, our first mock draft of the season. So get hyped for that. As always, please rate and subscribe to the pod and follow our Twitter at Two Tackles with the number two. You can also find us on underdogpodcast.com and stick with us as we continue this 2023-2024 season. Ray, appreciate you.